From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm Jennifer Shutt, filling in this week for David Lerman. Today, we are talking about everyone's favorite subject, taxes. And joining me to discuss all of the various and sometimes complicated provisions that were added to that year-end spending bill is my colleague, Doug Sword. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here. So can you walk us through a little bit about why this kind of massive tax package was attached to that year-end spending bill? Okay. Well, I mean, it may shock you, but politics were involved. What? Um, the um, most of the components of the the, the year end bill had been uh, passed either by committee or by the full house uh, uh, long before. Uh, for instance, a, a large collection of pretty modest retirement savings proposals had had passed four hundred seventeen to three in the house in May, and then didn't go anywhere in the Senate. The Senate just held on to it for the year end talks, and it wound up. Uh, uh, no one was against that package, but uh, it wound up being being a, a feature of the year-end bill. And and also there was this dance all year long between um, uh, House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal and Senate Finance Chairman uh, Charles Grassley over the uh, tax extender package, which is which was a collection of. Well, it wound up being 32 tax breaks, uh, most of which had expired at the end of 2017. So. Renewing them doesn't exactly do a whole lot to incentivize anybody, but uh, but there were a lot of uh, uh, industries and, and groups that wanted these extended, and uh, uh, and Grassley in particular wanted the biodiesel tax credit extended. That was his baby back from the last decade or two decades ago now. So can you walk us through some of the main elements of this tax provision? And then I feel like there's a few interesting ones with respect to certain parochial interests. Yes, yes, there are. And, and, and here we're going to be talking eventually about Mitch McConnell, yes. Um, well, one of the things I found very interesting about this was the, the, the total package was scored at more than $400, million, $400 billion over 10 years. And would have been a lot more if, if they hadn't extended the, uh, the tax breaks for just one year, if they'd extended them for 10 years, it would have been another $100 billion or so. Uh, but um, And they largely uh, went to benefits for the wealthy and for corporations. But you didn't hear the same thing you did two years ago on the $1.5 trillion, which went largely to benefit the wealthy and corporations. Uh, but this one went through at $400 billion. Um, the, the biggest portion of that, about 85% of it, was uh, repealing uh, a, a bunch of uh, uh, health care-related taxes. Um, uh, and the largest one of those was repealing the, the so-called Cadillac tax on, on high-end health care plans, uh, which was a key feature of, uh, of, well, what we call Obamacare. Um, and there, there was bipartisan agreement. This package had just passed. Very largely had bipartisan agreement on it, even though there was this fight throughout the year. And there were efforts by Democrats to get uh, some of their packages in there that, that in the end didn't really work. Uh, and so what's left on the table for this coming very political year is just a uh, it's the Democratic wish list. So unless something changes, it's hard to see much of that going through this year. And attaching tax extenders, especially to a year-end spending package, that's something that's done in the past, right? That's not something that was completely new to this year and was surprising to anyone. Right. And the last time this happened was two Februarys ago in a year-end spending bill. So this is just kind of throwing everything in the blender, 
and then voting it through Congress. Well, I mean, just look at the retirement savings bill, which passed overwhelmingly in the House and sat in the Senate. And every time McConnell tried to bring it to the floor, uh, uh, Ted Cruz tried to attach a a homeschooling provision to it, which um, that and some other things uh, wound up uh, uh, sinking the bill every time. And can you talk to us a little bit about those provisions that applied specifically to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell? He, of course, is up for re-election this year in his home state of Kentucky. His polling numbers there aren't great, even though it is highly unlikely that any Democratic challenger could actually oust him. These types of things are still very important for any senator running for re-election, but especially for one of your top um, sort of leaders in either party. There were three things in there that I'm 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 certain that uh, the Senate Majority Leader was happy were in there and and may have had a great deal in doing to get them in there. Uh, the first was um, in his tax extender bill. Uh, actually, it was Mike Thompson's tax extender bill. They left out a a, a provision that allows uh, uh, people who own thoroughbred racehorses to expense those horses over three years, which is the basic lifetime of a racehorse. Uh, instead, um, that that provision had expired at the end of 2017, which would have required um, uh, people owners to expense over seven years. Except that the new 2017 tax law allowed them to expense them all in one year. But nonetheless, the thoroughbred race horse industry still wanted that three-year option, and uh, Neil had left that out of the package that had passed his committee in June, and McConnell had noticed that. And during some reporting this year, we were told that that it would be in there at the end of the year. And sure enough, it was in there at the end of the year. Uh, Another provision was um, in the 2017 tax bill, there was a uh, a, a craft beer, wine, and distillers uh, uh, excise tax cut, uh, which mainly helped the distillers. Uh, But uh, there was, uh, that was set to expire at the end of uh, last year, and it was extended for one year uh, to the, Tune of four hundred million dollars for distillers, and that, and you know, read bourbon here to a degree, uh, especially since it was a, a, a separate ten million dollar provision, largely for bourbon makers. And then, thirdly, there was a um, an agreement that was put in here on the um, uh, to rescue the United Mine Workers nineteen seventy four pension plan, which was going to go belly up next year, and and affect the pensions of some ninety thousand mine workers, including several thousand in Kentucky. And the reason that moved is because uh, uh, McConnell had uh, uh, jumped onto a new version of that toward the end of the year with, uh, with the West Virginia Senators Manchin and, and, and Shelley Moore Capito, Joe Manchin and Shelley Moore Capito. Um, now, I would point out in the bill, he jumped on it. It also, uh, it, it struck what Manchin had put in his original bill, which was to double the excise tax on coal. And Manchin had taken that out in order to get McConnell on it, but the doubling of the excise tax on coal was in the final bill. So that probably, I was surprised that Republicans went with that because that proposed doubling is what killed the tax extender package last two Decembers ago. And so all of this just happened a couple of weeks ago. We are now in 2020, looking ahead to a sort of shortened congressional calendar. Everyone is very focused on re-elections in November. And so what can we look for this year with respect to Congress debating taxes um, and potentially making any additional changes to tax law? 
there was a lot left over from last year, but not a lot that's bipartisan. There were a couple of corrections from the 2017 tax bill that were in the tax package that just passed in December. Uh, uh, two of the more egregious ones, the church parking tax, which sounds as bad as it sounds, um, would cause churches to have to pay taxes on fringe benefits for a parking spot for their organist. It was it was more on metro cards and parking spaces, but that, that, that was how it was sold. Anyway, that was corrected in the, in the December bill. What wasn't corrected, and it's an administration's number one priority for a correction here, is, is it's called the quali- Qualified Improvement Property Correction, uh, the retail glitch fix, as they call it. Um, when they wrote the 2017 tax bill, um, uh, they had meant to include retailers and restaurants in the, um, uh, the expensing provision, which would have Basically, if they'd had a $15,000 improvement to their property, they could expense the whole thing the first year, write it off on their taxes. Uh, previously, they had to expense it over 15 years. There was a, a, a glitch on that, and they, they, they put the, these, these qualified improvements uh, for these retailers by mistake, the way it was written, that they now have to expense over, they not only don't get the 100% expensing, they have to expense over 39 years. So that $15,000 improvement, they get the write-off $400 a year. Uh, the the assumption here is that, that I haven't seen any studies on it, but that perhaps billions and billions of dollars of of of, um, of construction of improvement projects are, are being put off until this is fixed. So we have another year of these things being put off, which will probably put great pressure for this fix to occur. And that's the only thing that's really out there to to push Republicans. Although I would point out the House bill, the fix, has 300 co-sponsors, and about half of them are Democrats. So it's 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 a hard, hard thing to move all these other options on. And I should talk about the other options, which are uh, Democrats want to, um, and keep in mind, uh, these other, a lot of these other options are already in the, 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 the Democrat presidential tax plans, uh, including the uh, uh, refundable tax credits, uh, an expansion of the earned income tax credit and the child tax credit and um, uh, uh, social security effects. Okay. That's it for us today. I'm Jennifer Schutt filling in for David Lerman this week. Thank you so much to my colleague Doug Sword for joining me to walk us all through the very fun world of tax policy. It is fun. (laughs) So much fun. Just what everyone wanted to start off 2020 with. Yes. If you have any questions or comments, drop us an email at cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. You can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week.